I've enjoyed and I've needed this month's emphasis on prayer. I've needed that. And uh, prayer is a powerful thing for anyone. A lot of benefits in prayer. And uh, Jesus knew that, and He spoke a lot about prayer, and especially in the book of Luke. And when you look at the Bible, the Bible is one book with 66 books inside of it. The first 39 were written before Jesus came, the last 27 after Jesus went back to heaven. But the main theme of the Bible is how that human beings who are sinful can be reconciled to a God who is holy. A hundred years from today, all that's going to matter for everybody in here is where you live. With God in heaven or without Him, separated eternally in hell or the lake of fire. God did not make hell for you. He didn't make it for me. He said, I'm not willing that anyone would go there. But for everybody to come to repentance. That's a change of mind, a change of thinking. And God loves you and He loves me and He wants us to understand His truths. But the main theme of the Bible is how we can be reconciled with God. God gave us the Bible for two main reasons. Number one, to show us how to get to heaven from here. How to be forgiven of our sin in this lifetime. But it also tells us how to live after we know number one. How do we live? How do we, how do we conduct ourselves as a husband, as a wife, as a father, as a son, as a daughter, as a mother, as a grandmother? Pay attention, Linda. Oh, these things, God tells us how to, how to manage our finances, how to be a good employee, how to work with the environment. Everything, God has not done, said anything, not left any stone unturned when it comes to the Scriptures. He says, I've given you the Bibles, number one, so you'll know what's right. Nothing's ever settled till it's settled right. Nothing's ever settled right till it's settled right with God. Number one, God gave us the Bible to tell us what's right. Number two, what's not right. For reproof, it's someone who tells you, you're not right here. And all of us need to do that. It tells us how to get right when we mess up. All of us are a bunch of mess ups. There are things we said, well, I'm never going to do that again, and we do it again. We have, we have, we have problems, and we have to learn how to correct that. God said, I'm giving you the Bible for doctrine, what's right. For reproof, what's not right. For correction, how to get right when I mess up. When I hurt my spouse, when I hurt my, chi- my child, when I hurt my neighbor, when I have done something that's wrong, how do I get that straightened out? The Bible outlines that. And then it tells us how to stay right. Instruction in righteousness. But one of those things that God teaches us about in the Bible is prayer. Over 630 times in the Bible, prayer is emphasized. It's more than, than almost any other matter. God does address possessions more than that. But prayer is very focal point. The Bible majors on prayer. People learn to pray before they ever had a Bible in their hand. Enoch walked with God and was not for God took him. Abraham went and stood, before the, stood in the place where he stood before the Lord before he ever could have a Bible. We had the joy of having both. We have a Bible and we have access to God. We're blessed because we're New Testament Christians. Is that we have the priesthood of the believer. We have direct access. You don't have to come to me to get to God. You don't have to go to a priest to get to God. You don't have to go to a saint to get to God. You don't have to go to uh, any angel to get to God. You have direct access to God through His Son, Jesus Christ. 
But prayer is a private discipline that is challenging because it requires faith. Faith is, the, by the way, the Bible, if you would look later on in Luke chapter 18, he gives a story about a man or lady who has someone who is persecuting. She's a widow lady. She doesn't have any defenses. And she has someone who is an adversary to her that keeps on aggravating her. And so she goes to a judge's courtroom every day to ask him for relief from this, this, this adversary. And the judge is not anything like God. He cares nothing about this lady. He doesn't have any respect for God or for man. But this lady keeps showing up in court and says, please help me, sir. Please help me, Your Honor. Please help me, Your Honor. And he's a guy who doesn't care about her, doesn't care about avenging her. But because she keeps on coming back and keeps on being in his face, he finally says, I don't give a rip about her or anyone else, but lest she drive me crazy... Take care of her problem. And he takes care of her problem. And the Bible says, how much more with a God of heaven who loves you, who is in it for you, who is not someone up there waiting to slap you around, is someone ready to come and beckon at your prayer, will respond speedily to your need. He said, but when the Son of Man cometh, will he find faith on the earth? Many of us were willing to pay. Many of us, we have got money in our pocket. We're going to take it and help the Chicago police officers. And thank you for doing that. You've already got that ready to go. Some of you will get and start a bus this afternoon and drive it home to Chicago or Northwest Indiana or Chicago Heights or Whiting or East Chicago or Hammond or Gary. You'll do that. Some of you will stay afterwards and you'll clean the auditorium. Some of you are practicing for music. Those are things we'll be willing to do. Some of us will go and visit our Sunday school class and prepare a lesson. But when it comes to prayer, many of us lack the faith to pray. To have not just a prayer time, but a life of prayer. Where we talk to Him, we pray without ceasing. But that's open to everyone. Preaching is open to a few. Prayer is open to every child of God. Many are willing to pay. Few are willing to pray. But prayer is so important. What does prayer do? Prayer is the way you get saved. The Bible says with a heart a person believes that only Jesus could save them. And then with the mouth, confession. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Prayer is the access to wisdom. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Prayer is how you have fullness of joy. When we, when we ask the Lord and He gives it to us, that our joy might be full. People who pray have joy. Prayer is how we, we get built up in our holy faith. Our access to God is how we strengthen our faith through prayer and the Word of God. Prayer is something that relieves heavy burdens. Many of us, we came in here this morning and we've got, we've got our, our Sunday best on. And we're smiling at people and we're, we, we're saying hello to folks. But you know and I know that inside of our hearts, I've come in here many times heavy hearted, burdened. We lack peace. The Bible says, be careful for nothing but everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your question be known to God and the peace of God. Prayer is a shortcut to peace. When you've got a problem, pray. When you've got a burden, pray. Prayer is God's way of getting angelic and supernatural help to your life, to your family, to your situation. 
Prayer invites angelic help. Prayer uh, brings peace. Prayer is how we handle difficult problems and people. He uses the terms moons and mountains. People that are struggling and people, problems that are gargantuan, pray about them. How many times a Christian today, I had my, my wife call me this morning about a problem, and I, I went to my knees and I prayed for that problem, that situation. Oh, it's just a few moments in my office, but I can say, God, I can't fix this, but you can. You can help me with this. You can help Linda with this. I pray that you would help us know what to do. And you, prayer changes things. It changes me. It changes events. It changes circumstances. Now, may I just say to you, I'll say this again tonight, but God answers prayer. He doesn't hear every prayer, but He answers the prayers He hears. See, Pastor, he can't hear me? No, he, he can choose to hear. But the Bible says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. But whenever, he, he, whenever I pray in faith, he, uh, he hears and He answers every prayer. He answers them directly, immediately. Sometimes He doesn't answer them directly. He answers them with a delay. He says, you know, that's something I'm going to do for you, but it's not going to be on your terms. It'll be on mine. I've got a plan for that, but that's not right now. Sometimes he answers them by denying your request. He says, no, I'm not going to do that. That's a denial. I'm not going to answer that request. By the way, those of us who are parents, if you, if you gave your child everything they wanted, would that be healthy for them? No, they want cotton candy at midnight? No. They want to stay up 2 o'clock in the morning watching Netflix? No. You got school tomorrow. Are you a bad parent because you say no sometimes? How many are very thankful that God didn't answer all your prayers? I can think of some prayers that I'm glad that God said no. I thought I had a big yes, but He said a big no. Some God, He'll answer directly, immediately. Sometimes He'll, de- he'll delay the answer to prayer. Sometimes He'll deny it. Say, you know what, that's not going to be best for you. I'm glad that His ways are higher than my ways. It's God's way of helping me get the gospel out. It's God's way of showing me great and mighty things that He's doing. It's God's way of helping our country. It's God's way of providing laborers in the harvest. Boy, every one of us ought to pray oftentimes that God would send more people to serve the Lord. I love to see the pictures today from Cambodia. But we ought to get rid of that. After we get done with that picture, we ought to say, Lord, send some more. Fill that church building with more workers for Cambodia. Send other young people to surrender themselves to the Lord. Bless the mission field. Lord, take us to places where countries where missionaries, we don't have any missionaries. Someone should go to regions beyond where no man has gone or where there's not the, the bright light that's shining in our country. We've got to pray for that. But Jesus, in Luke chapter 11, is praying. Let's look at it, verse number 1 again, and we'll just share a couple thoughts. And I've got to hasten. Thank you for listening. We doing okay? Good. Good deal. Let's look at verse number 1. And it came to pass that as He was praying, Jesus, in a certain place. By the way, I think it's good for us to have a certain place. And I think it's good that we pray. When He ceased, one of His disciples said unto Him, By the way, I hope you're that one. Not all the twelve disciples came at the same time, but somebody got interested in prayer. Somebody said, you know what, I don't want to be a fruitless Christian. I want to figure that out. And they, they braved the question to go to the Savior and said, Lord, I've heard you pray. 
And there's two things that provoked him to want to pray. Number one, the praying of his Savior, Jesus. Number two, that John the Baptist did the same thing and produced very strong followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. So it was what he saw in the disciples of John and what he saw in the Lord Jesus Christ that one of the disciples, I wonder who it was. Was it John the Beloved? Was it Peter? Was it James? Was it Simon the Zealot? Who was it? I don't know. But one of them went to him and said, Lord, would you teach us to pray the same way that I've seen those who follow John the Baptist learned? So that was the question. Then he responded with the affirmative. Look at verse number 2. The Bible says here, in verse number 2, And he said to them, When ye pray, say. Now this is a similar prayer to Mark, Matthew chapter 6. You'll see in verse 9 through 13 is the more modern prayer. And it's not necessarily a prayer to be prayed. It's an outline to be followed. I don't think it's wrong for us to get together and say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, and, and quote the scripture that Jesus prayed. But it's not so much the, these are how you say this. He says, after this manner, pray you. He's given us an outline. Now, I want to give you the outline this morning, because this outline can, first of all, it gives content on how to pray. It gives perseverance to keep on praying. And it gives people to pray for and power to result in prayer. So prayer is really important. That's why it's really hard to do. But he says, number one, when you pray, pray our Father which art in heaven. First of all, prayer is based upon a person. It's a relationship. And I just want to say this again. I said it last week, but I I think one of the reasons that so many dads are under attack, paternal influence in the lives of people in every society that goes down the tubes will oftentimes go down the tubes because of a failure of father influence on the children and the family. A man who does not love his wife, a man who does not nurture and care for his children. The devil works really hard to get men angry, abusive, addicted, aloof, or absent altogether. Whenever God put Adam in the garden, right away he gave him three things. And many men who are train wreck, and I've been a train wreck sometimes, are a train wreck in these three areas. He gave him responsibility, he gave him a rule to keep, and he gave him relationships to develop. And those are not a walk in the park. Men who fail to be responsible, fail to keep known rules that God lays down in His Word, and then men who do not work at relationships. They want the privileges without the responsibility. It's a challenge. If you're working in your relationships, your relationships will start working. If you stop working on them, you just want everybody to come and take care of you, you're going to have some problems. I have those problems, you'll have those problems. But rules, responsibility, and relationships are things that God gave Adam from the very first pages of our Bible, and they continue on to this day. But a relationship with God the Father is the first relationship God gave Adam. He said, you've got two relationships to work on, one with me and one with this new girl called Eve. That's going to be your, two, your challenges there. And of course, that is what we have to do. We have to learn how to say our Father. It's interesting because I think our speaks of corporate prayer. Some folks don't mind praying independently, but they do not like praying corporately. But I do believe it's important, and God on purpose did not say, My Father, which art in heaven. Pray this, My Father. Because He expected the people to learn to pray together. Some of us, when we have prayer, public prayer, you don't like it. 
You don't like that time. It's a discipline that you have to develop. And it's an understanding you need to know. He says, first of all, our Father is a person. It's a relationship, and it's a paternal relationship. Some people, I've had people that have led to Christ who have very bad relationships with their dad. And they really have a hard time saying, our Father. They don't like that word. Because their Father is nothing like the God Father of the Bible. But that's where, if your father and your mother forsake you, then the Lord will pick you up. That's where you say, you know what, I've got to find out what a real father is all about. And like God, I need to learn him. So he said, number one, it's a person. Number two, it's praise. Hallowed be thy name. Hallowing the name of the Lord. What are some things that we can praise the Lord for when we come to Him? He says, I want to enter into His courts with thanksgiving and to His courts with praise. I want to come to Him with praise. And listen, I don't deserve your praise. You don't deserve my praise. But all of us, God deserves our praise. Because of His mercy, because of His creation, because He's a deliverer, because He's His provision to us. Because of His love to us, His loving kindness, we have to praise Him. We have to praise Him because of His goodness, because of His greatness, because of His holiness. There are a thousand reasons to learn to praise. And some of you couldn't come up with ten. If, we, if your life depended on it and we had a gun to your head, you'd probably have a hard time getting ten. And it's not because you're a bad person, it's because you're not used to praying. Prayer develops attributes in God. I want to encourage you. Number one, prayer needs to start with a person. You're not praying to the saints. You're not praying to angels. You're not praying to a pastor or to a priest. You're praying to your Father. Number two, prayer involves praise. Hallowed be thy name. It's amazing. People don't get mad and say Muhammad and damn his name. People don't get angry and say Confucius and damn his name. People don't get mad and say, Allah, and damn His name. But when we get mad, in any culture, people who even say that they don't believe in God have no problem damning the God of the Bible. They have no problem saying, ah, and saying, Jesus Christ in oath. Why is that? Number one, it's because He's the real God. He's the real God. He's the God of the Bible. You can walk on campuses with the writings of Buddha. No one cares. You can, write on the, you can walk on our campuses of our high schools with, with the Quran. They don't care. You can walk on the campus with any other religious readings, the New Age, and all that. No one cares. Walk on there with the Bible, and you're going to get some attention. And one of, the, one of the things that proves the, the God, not only creation and our conscience and consequences and circumstances and the calendar and Christ and, 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 and things of that nature is the canon of scriptures. And the, and the attack against this particular truth, this particular book. But he says, I want you to pray. When you pray, I want you to bring praise to the Lord. I want you to bring a person, that's the Heavenly Father. Let's look at the next thing we see here in verse number 2. And he said unto them, when you pray, say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Come with praise, and remember the name of the Lord. There's power in that name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as in heaven, as, and so in earth. The Bible teaches here about the pleasure. Not my pleasure, but His. He said, Lord, I want what you want done, done. 
Prayer is not trying to get my will done on earth. It's trying to get heaven's will done in my life. Prayer is not a monologue. Prayer is a dialogue. You don't just talk to God, you talk with God. Many of us, we just, we're the monologue. It's just one person talking the whole time. God wants to talk to you. And some of the things we need to find out is what does God want in a situation? We got our opinions what we want. I know what I want. I want this fixed and this fixed and I want this happen and I want this happen. And the truth of the matter is that's not prayer. It's not trying to get my will done. It's trying to get heaven's will done in me and in our circumstances. He says, now, he says, I want your will done. Like in heaven, it's the temperature that God wants it. Everything he wants done in heaven gets done that way. He said, I want that same attitude when I go to pray. I want everything that God wants done in my life. Not what I want, because we're very strong. Our opinions, how we feel, what we think, what we want is very strong. We have our own ideas about things. But prayer, our praying Christian, yields his spirit to what God wants. And he doesn't get caught up in a monologue saying, I want to do this, I want you to do this, and give us this, and we want this, we want to have a good service, and I want, I want to get something out of the service, and I want this, I want safety for the kids, and I want this to happen, I want this, I want a better job, I want this, I want this. And God says, are you done? <laughs> I've heard you, but can, can we talk again? Can I give you some things I think I want you to do? I want out of this. Boy, when I have a problem, I want to transition out. You know what God oftentimes wants? To transform me through. So, John, I'm not going to take you out of that fire. I'm not going to take you out of that difficult thing. We're going to walk with you through that difficult thing. You've got some spiritual muscles that need to be uh, sustained and helped and worked on. You've got some things inside of you that are not right, and we've got to do this together. We just want, whenever there's pain, we want a way. God wants a process. He said, I want whatever's done in heaven to be done in my life. I must hasten, but let's look at the next one real quickly. Verse number 3. The Bible says, give us this day our daily bread. This speaks of provision. Sometimes, I don't know why, but some people feel like, oh yeah, I'm so spiritual now, I don't ask God for anything. Okay, I think you read this Bible, God wants you to ask Him. He wants our dependence upon Him. One of our problems, we're very independent. We oftentimes teach our children, listen son, I want you to be independent. I want you to have to depend upon anybody. I want you to have enough money, and I don't want you to go to the ministry because I want to make sure that you have everything you need. I want you ever, I want you to be able to provide for your family. Sometimes when people, I remember when I surrendered to serve the Lord, because you know what, you're, you're going to have a hard time providing for your family in the ministry. Listen, that little dough egg that said that, I wish I could pinch his head off and spit in the hole and get frustrated with that. Don't, don't discourage someone that wants to serve the Lord. You know, it's not your job that gives you your employment or your means. It's God. Many folks, we trust you, we use some trust in chariots, some trust in horses. You can trust in your company, you can trust in your boss, you can trust in your 401k. Can you really? <laughs> but that's a sad situation. Our, our eyes are upon Him. But He says, I want you to pray because you're going to have needs that only God can help you with. He tells us when you pray, don't try to pray to impress other people. He said, that's like a pharisaical way. You're not praying to impress other people. I really appreciate the prayers this morning that we can hear people pray. I don't feel like Brother John or Brother Johnson, either one of them were trying to impress us. They were talking to God like they do on his UPS truck, like he does in his study in Brazil. 
And, and, and not just pressing, but, and you don't try to impress God with ritual prayers and things of that nature. You pray because you have no place else to go. You need wisdom. You can't get it at Kroger's. You can't get it at, uh, at uh, Aldi's. You can't get it at Costco. You've got to get it from God. Peace. They don't have a pound of peace down at Strack and Van Til. You have to get it from God. The, all the things we talked about, they come from the Lord. So we ask God for provision. I want to give you the next couple things and we'll close. We ask God for pardon. He said, Lord, forgive us our debts as we forgive those who are indebted to us. And once again, I want you to remember this. This is talking to Christians. This is not the prayer of the unsaved. If you're here today and you're not sure if you were to die, you go to heaven. You got one prayer to pray. Forget what I've all told you here. And you just say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I need Jesus. I need to accept his gift of eternal life. But this is information to people who are saved. Sometimes people say, well, you know, if you don't forgive someone else, then God doesn't take you to heaven. Because you can't do that. This is not talking about eternal life. This is talking about functional everyday life. If you say to God, Lord, I did wrong. I'm so sorry. And I want you to forgive me. And then God reminds you that you're not forgiving your husband. You're not forgiving your wife. You're not forgiving your neighbor. He said, look, do that business first, and then let's talk about me forgiving you. You forgive him. No one's ever hurt you as bad as as you've hurt me. If you want me to forgive you, then you release somebody else. Don't hold them by the throat when I've forgiven you so much. Matthew 18. So let it go. And in context, we're never going to have prayer be a priority and effective in our life because the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man. And that's two righteousness, right with God and right with others. If you say, well, I, wanna, I got a good prayer life. I can't stand her, though. You don't have a good prayer life. You're, 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 you're deceiving yourself. Because to be right in prayer is to be right with two people, with God and with other people. It doesn't mean I, I, I'm lovey-dovey with everybody and everyone's lovey-dovey with me. What it does mean is that as far as I know... I have no animosity in my heart toward them. If they owe me, I've chosen not to collect. I'm not closing my eyes and I'm thinking about things that I don't like about that person and how I hope they get right and I hope that they will get punished for their sin. That's not forgiveness. Forgiveness means to send it away. We have great pardon that comes in prayer. And then lastly, protection. He tells us, he said, listen, Lord, deliver us from temptation. Delivers from the flesh, delivers from society, delivers from Satan. Now, I wonder how much grief we go through because we will not tarry and pray, God, protect me from temptation. Prayer is a big thing. I hope that you and I will learn to pray.